So hey guys, we're back with another one, and uh, this is gonna be a great one. I mean, they're all great, but this was a special uh, great one because you will fall in love with them as much as I do. And uh, when you hear, and he's written uh, two books that are out right now, um, and we're gonna cover both books. So this is gonna be a two book uh, podcast. Of course, we're talking about the fantastic and great Roy Young. Yay, Roy Young. And he is here. But before we do anything, we got to get some stuff out. We got to get some information out. First off, I want to thank the folks over at the Wild West History Association. Uh, they were so gracious and put me in this month's interview spotlight. If you want to see the journal, I urge you to join at 75 bucks a year. And uh, it's that 75 bucks for anybody who says, oh my gosh, that's really pricey. Well, it's not because you actually get four journals a year. Uh, it comes out to less than $20 a journal because really it's a book. It's a full written book in a journal format with high gloss pictures and paper. And you're going to want to get the journal and just reread and read and read and use it as a study guide. But you can get that by joining the Wild West History Association at wildwesthistory.org. I also want to thank uh, the folks over at the Tombstone Epitaph, Mark and Eric, putting out Arizona's longest-running newspaper. Uh, you can get that delivered right to your door for $60 for three years. The reason I tell people to get the $60 is because if you do a year-to-year -year membership, you'll actually save $15 by doing the three-year because one year is 25 bucks and three years is 60. So just do the 60, get it delivered to your door, and you get Arizona's longest-running newspaper uh, the tombstone epitaph right to you that's chock full of history. Also, also, we want to let everybody know that the Wild West History Association is on social media. They're everywhere. They're on Facebook. And go check them out on YouTube. They've got uh, Bugs on the Windshield and, and uh, Pam and Eddie. They're just doing great content. And Kurt, they're doing great content on YouTube. And if you're an Instagrammer, go see them on Instagram. Wild West History Association has a new Instagram page, and they're putting out high-quality photos, beautiful photos of Western history. Go over to Instagram, check them out, follow. Um, the, the great thing about Instagram, it's free, so just hit the button. YouTube is free, and you'll get history delivered right to your door. I think we covered it all. I think we got it all. So today we're going to be talking to Roy Young, and he's written a book. We're going to be talking about Newton Jasper Earp, Mystery Brother of the Famous Fighting Earps. Now, if you want these books, uh, it's really easy to do so. You can get them uh, through Abe's book or Amazon, but if you want a personalized uh, like a letter, not a letter, but a signature or your name or Royal writes something beautiful, like, you know, best wishes and thank you so much or whatever you'd like on that. Go to Roy Young and that's R-O-Y-Y-O-N-G at P-L-D-I.net. And that's Roy Young, two Y's, R-O-Y-Y-O-N-G at pldi.net and Roy will take care of you he'll get a signed autographed book out to you and it'll be yours and it'll be personalized right to you but again if you want to get these books you can go to Amazon you can go to Abe's books and they're all going to be right there so Roy wrote a book um, called Newton Jasper Earp Mystery Brother of the Famous Fighting Earps what was the reason that Roy Young said on the back of his mind Newton Jasper Earp's story has not been told. Well, I'll tell you. 
All right. I want to hear it. And it's an interesting story, I think, that led to the uh, publication of this book. Uh, of course, most people say, well, I've never heard of Newton Earp because they know of only the five brothers who had uh, uh, activity and action and various things going on in Tombstone, Arizona, and uh, Newton didn't. Newton was the oldest Earp brother, and he and a sister were born to the father's first wife. Nicholas Earp had a wife who died after uh, the little girl was born and uh, then married the mother of the other Earp brothers. So he's the half-brother, but they were very close uh, for all their years, traveled together, lived together, uh, all kinds of relationships. But because he didn't have a Doc Holliday, he didn't have an OK Corral, he didn't have a Vendetta ride, he was kind of left out of the story. And a number of years ago, when I was writing the book on James Cooksey Earp, one of the five Earp brothers that people are familiar with, I kept coming across uh, Newton and wondered, who is this guy? What was his story? Uh, where did he live? Was he a lawman? And the more I dug into it, the more I realized this is a guy who needs a book. Well, other things kept coming along. Uh, Pete Spence, Frank Stillwell, Bob Paul, Judge Stillwell, uh, on and on. And Newton kept getting put on the back burner. And then I met his great-grandson and his great-great-grandson. And they asked me if I would give a program on Newton Earp at the Tombstone Territory Rendezvous, what those of us who participate call TTR. And so I agreed to do that. And uh, the more I dug into uh, Newton's life, the more I contacted them for information. And one day they said, well, we've got a whole box of stuff here. Why don't we just send you the whole box. And boy, was it chock full of stuff that you would never find on the internet or find in an archives, just a uh, uh, brand new good stuff and uh, loaded with pictures. And so I gave the program uh, at TTR and I said, I'll get a book out. Well, as always in my life, other things got in the way. Uh, I had been working on the idea of an anthology of Wyatt Earp best articles. And with Casey T. Fertiller and uh, Dr. Gary Roberts, the three of us teamed up to put out uh, Wyatt Earp, Long May His Story Be Told. Well, I was ready to do Newton Earp. And then all of a sudden, one day, I found the article I'd been looking for for 25 years, proving who had killed Morgan Earp. Of course, it was there all the time. I hadn't found it. No one else had found it. And there it was. Okay, so Jack, now, now, hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because if you're going to tease the audience and myself, who assassinated Morgan Earp, because I didn't know you were going to bring that up, spend a couple of minutes and tell folks about that. 
I am a Stillwell. My mother was a Stillwell. And so I've known all of my life about Jack Stillwell, the famous Army Scout and Deputy U.S. Marshal, and his brother, the somewhat nefarious Frank Stillwell. In fact, I still have a note that I wrote when I was 12 years old. Wyatt Earp killed Frank Stillwell. Well, you get busy with college, you get married, you raise children, and a lot of things don't get done. The first book I ever planned to write was the biography of Frank Stillwell, but it's still not done, though I'm hoping it will be my next book. But one of the mysteries in the Frank Stillwell story was, did he kill Morgan Earp? Did Pete Spence, did Curly Bill, did Johnny Ringo, who killed Morgan Earp? And until two years ago, there was no proof as to who did it. I was searching some articles on a tombstone character by the name of Milt Joyce. And just below the article on Milt Joyce was an article about Jack Stillwell and the time he spent in Tombstone trying to find out what had happened that his brother was killed by the Herbs and Doc Holliday. And in that story, it said, my brother is the one who killed Morgan Earp. When I, how would Jack know that unless uh, Ike Clanton or one of the cowboys, Ringo Curly Bill, even John Bean, said, uh, Jack, it was your brother who killed Frank Stillwell. And uh, there was an article interviewing Jack, and he said, it was my brother. So I have taken that as conclusive evidence that Jack didn't make that up. No one wants to say their brother killed anybody. But Jack plainly uh, said it in this article to that interviewer. And so 140 years after Morgan was assassinated, we finally have what I think is conclusive proof. Frank Stillwell killed Morgan Earp. That is crazy. And that's all because you were... You were researching the, the Newton Jasper Earp story. Which led me to several other things. And uh, I, on that occasion, I was researching Milt Joyce, who uh, was a prominent uh, tombstone character. That's crazy. To think it's that, uh, serendipity. It's, You're searching for one thing and you find another thing. Well, and every researcher and historian that I've interviewed said exactly that, that they were, the book that they writ, wrote or are writing is because they were digging into something else and then this person <laughs> popped up and they were exactly. like, and all of a sudden they're they're distracted and they're going down this path and they've got a book over here semi-written, but they're interested in this other path. That is crazy that that, that exactly. was Exactly. I, I started working on Frank Stillwell's biography back in the 90s. Mm. And all of a sudden, there was Pete Spence. Well, who is Pete Spence? What's his story? What's his history? Well, we're going to do so a podcast I wrote, about that one. <laughs> Excuse me. I wrote the book on Pete Spence. Go ahead. I was going to say, we're going to do a podcast about Pete Spence. Yes, and I'm looking forward to that. Hmm. So uh, Frank Stillwell is still setting. Most of the chapters are written. 
a lot of new things have come up available on the internet now that weren't in the 90s and early 2000s. But uh, I'm not going to do one more book until I do the Frank Stillwell book. Promise. All right. Better. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. So as you're writing this Newton Jasper Ert book, are, are new revelations and new things coming out, like you said, because of the internet and documents coming out that never before were told? Did you find things in researching this book about Jasper that weren't written before that are groundbreaking that the audience and the person that's going to read it says, going to say like I did like, Oh my gosh, that's. Yes, exactly. There had only ever been two articles that I could find in deep research written on Newton Derp. Uh, Dr. Gary Roberts wrote one back in the seventies and a fellow named um, Douglas Cubison, who's now with the uh, University of Wyoming, wrote one on Newton's Civil War service. Mm. He's rarely mentioned in a book. Uh, those who are listening, uh, go pick up whatever Wyatt Earp or Doc Holliday book you have, and Newton may be mentioned in one sentence or one paragraph about uh, Wyatt Earp's ancestry, but nothing ever of his story, his life, his lawman career was ever written. And so this is all new to anyone interested in uh, the Earp story, especially. Wow. It's, I, I've read, the, I've read the book and I started on it again because there's so much into it. You've done something different in your writing style and that is almost every page has photos. Yes. Which you normally don't do that. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You, most of the books don't have, sometimes you'll go, there's so much information, you go a page or two and then a photo. And this one has everything in it. Just it's crammed full of photos. And you put the footnotes at the back of the book instead of included into the pages. Yes, yes. Was, was that intentional uh, because of the amount of information that you found and you wanted to pack into the book that you changed the way you write? Well, if I had my way, there would be footnotes on every page. But that's just not the way it's done by 99% of all book publishers. They want end notes. Some will take in notes at the end of the chapter, but if you'll look at Gary Roberts' book or Casey's book, uh, all the end notes are at the end. Mm -hmm. And because I wanted so many pictures in this book, having footnotes at the bottom of the page or even in notes was interrupting the flow of all the pictures I wanted. Mm -hmm. And as editor of the Wild West History Association Journal, our 500 plus members are always telling me more pictures, more pictures. If you mention somebody, they want to see a picture. They want to see a document. So uh, my more recent books are having more and more pictures for that reason. It's just what the people want. Well, like 
for me, I think it gives it a sense of authenticity. Good. Which is one way because you're writing about something and then I can look up and go, oh, there he is. Or you're writing about a place and, oh, there it is. But yes, but you you did do you did do footnotes in your Bob Paul book, your Robert Havlin Paul book, because there was so much to put into the history side of it that I think you put the footnotes in as a continuation of what you were writing to where I've I've spoken to other researchers and they've said that your footnotes should actually be a companion book. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I believe in factually documenting my statements. If I say this and this happened, these two guys met, I want to document that it happened. And it's not just some surmise, some supposition that I've developed. You'll never find invented dialogue or I don't even like the word maybe or likely or possibly. Uh, I prefer to document everything. So my books have lots and lots of footnotes. And I prefer that because it gives like you, like, like you said, it's, it's the word possibly or maybe, or I'm going to take a guess at you, you remove those from your books and it makes the book more authentic and more true to the history that you're trying to teach us about. Exactly, exactly. And I'll give you an example of why I'm doing this. Uh, this year at TTR, I'm giving a program on um, George Hearst, father of William Randolph Hearst and the Hearst newspaper chain, who was a uh, mining speculator all over America. And the story that Wyatt Earp once served as his guide and bodyguard in Cochise and Pima County. Every book on Wyatt Earp and some on Doc Holliday tell this story with no documentation. Mm -hmm. I began to delve into it to find out, is this a true story or is this another Wyatt Whopper? Mm -hmm. Well, I won't reveal that right now because it's my speech at... Uh, Tombstone Territory Rendezvous, but there are so many things in too many books that are not documented. Mm -hmm. It's just a story, a legend, a myth that's passed down, and you want to get to the truth. So that's what I'm doing uh, for this year's program in Tombstone. Well, if you're wondering who this uh, amazing man is that we're talking to, he's my favorite. Um <laughs> You, you you laugh. I still have the photo of you and I when I met you at TTR, and I was I was not shell shocked, but I was starstruck. I was starstruck that there's Roy Young, and he actually came up and said hello. Can can I take your picture with you? And oh yeah, um, and so and now I've seen you in shorts and roundup, so I know you got great legs. <laughs> I have legs. You got legs. Um, if I appreciate that, Mike. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, but I love people. Uh, I was a minister in the Church of Christ yeah. for 50 years and you know, just have friends all around the world. And I love people. And uh, you've become a favorite in these short two years. Yeah, because you're just, you're just a great guy. 
Um, if you're wondering again, uh, we're talking to Roy Young. If you want to purchase Roy's books, you can do so at Abe Books and on Amazon. But if you want a personalized copy, especially because we're going to be talking about a new book uh, with Kurt House, Chasing Billy the Kid, we're going to talk about in a minute. You can go to Roy Young, that's two Y's, R-O-Y-Y-O-U-N-G at pldi.net. Now that's his email. You contact Roy there. And uh, you can talk to him a little bit, and he'll get you the books mailed right to your door. <clears throat> we were talking a little bit about TTR, if folks that don't know. That's Tombstone Territory Rendezvous. So if you go on Facebook, they have a page, and you can come to Tombstone at the end of October this year. It's October 29th, uh, the week of October 29th, and um, and see uh, Mike Mahalovich and Roy and... Uh, I think Chuck Parsons is going to be there, or Chuck Smith is going to be there. There's going to be so many amazing people that are going to be talking and doing presentations about Tombstone. Um, it's really reasonable price. I think it's like 75 bucks or something, but that includes your food, your snacks. They're going to take a bus tour, and then you're going to hike out to Fairbank and, and the Grand Stamp Mill. You're going to see so much, and that's at TTR. So go to Tombstone Territory Rendezvous. That's my good friend Nancy Sosa and Eric Erdman. They put that on, and they do a phenomenal job. When, when um, Newton Jasper Earp book was being written, was there something, I think I asked this already, but I'm not sure if I got an answer, that that really popped out that said, holy cow, this is going to change the way? Did I say that already? No, but okay. go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, I forget. Um, was there something in the book that just, you looked at your wife and you looked around the room and you looked at the screen and you looked at your paper and you're like, oh my gosh. That is going to change the minds of every researcher and person who reads about Newton. Well, there were several things. Um, as I said before, he didn't have an OK Corral. He didn't have a Doc Holliday. But Newton Earp was the quintessential lawman of the 1880s, 90s. He was the guy that if you went into a town in the West and the sheriff, the marshal, the chief of police is not a known name. This is the guy. He does his job. He does it well. He's recognized by the community as being a leader, a stand-up guy. This is Newton Earp. And he served as a lawman in one place longer than any of his brothers. Far longer than Wyatt. Far longer than Virgil. He is the average, and I don't like the word average, but he's the typical lawman of the Wild West. Now, did he have some interesting uh, incidents, situations? Yes, he did. And those are, uh, of course, a part of the story. But my favorite part of, oh, I've got two favorite parts, his his Civil War, War service, I was able to document almost day by day. He had some exciting adventures in the Civil War. My other favorite part of the story is the last few years of his life when he and Wyatt were reconnecting uh, after having lost touch. 
you know, those guys didn't have telephones and uh, ways of communicating other than by letters and uh, just hearing about where this brother is or that brother is. The two reconnected in the last few years of their life. And so those are my two favorite parts of the story, his early life in Civil War, uh, his latter life when he reconnects with Wyatt. But uh, you won't find a, a major historical thing that happens in Newton's life. Uh, he has a day-by-day average lawman life for the most part. But I know I believe he's he's buried in Sacramento, California. Yes. So anybody that wants to, you can research it. I've actually been to his grave. Unfortunately, when I was in that part of history, I was trying to absorb every, I got caught up in Urbania and I just was like everywhere that an Erp touched ground I had to go to. I actually need to go back now that I read your book and go back to uh, Sacramento and spend a little bit more time because uh, he really was involved in Sacramento history. He's a big part of it. Yes, and um, of course he had four children of his own, two sons and two daughters. Uh, One son became particularly famous for appearing several weeks on the old television show, The $64,000 Question. Mm -hmm. And uh, Eddie Earp was on there four weeks in a row answering questions and (laughs) winning quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, Eddie is an interesting character in his uh, own right, and I have a section in the book about uh, Eddie's life. Um, Actually, his first name was Virgil Edwin. Uh, Newton named that boy after Virgil. His other boy was Wyatt Clyde, named him after Wyatt. Mm -hmm. And then there were uh, two daughters, uh, too. Um, All of them were included with their stories in the book. They all had connections uh, with... uh, uh, Wyatt and uh, Virgil. In fact, Virgil and his wife lived with Newton and his wife uh, on at least two occasions. Um, but my, it's kind of poignant how in the in the latter years, uh, Wyatt and uh, uh, Newton were reunited, and it all came about. Uh, by Newton going to the movie theater to see a movie that included Wyatt and Morgan. The uh, the newspaper articles never specify what that movie was, but I think it was the 1923 movie Wild Bill Hickok uh, with Burt Lindley uh, portraying Wyatt Earp. And in there, there's one scene where Wyatt and Morgan go hide from uh, some gunfighter. Mm-hmm. And Newton gets up in the middle of the movie and stomps out and says, there ain't no truth in that. My brothers would never hide. And um, that word got around. And uh, eventually uh, a interviewer that had been uh, uh, interviewing Wyatt, uh, Newt, uh, Wyatt says, you need to interview my brother Newton. And so Wyatt sends this interviewer uh, to Sacramento uh, to interview Newton. Um, it's just a very poignant story. They, and by the way, they were the last of the two Earp brothers, uh, Newton and uh, Wyatt. And I've got pictures of both of them made in 1927. 
And uh, I just love the poignancy of those two old fellas in their 70s and 80s uh, having a, a little time together before they die. Well, if you're wondering still who we're talking to, um, this is Roy Young. We actually have a his first interview. If you go back through, if you're listening on uh, uh, iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio app or wherever, and go through into season two, uh, on November 21st, 2021, we did an interview with Roy Young and shared his story. And uh, he's got a wonderful story. Um, while this is going on with Newton, Jasper, somewhere Roy told himself, I'm just not busy enough. <laughs> and I have some free time. And I'm watching too much Jeopardy. And I am going to write a book with Kurt House called Chasing Billy the Kid. Uh, the yes. actual book is titled Chasing Billy the Kid, Frank Stewart, The Untold Story of the Manhunt for William H. Bonney. And you wrote this with uh, a man you've known way longer than I have, but he, Kurt, I, I just adore. Um, we've done an interview with Kurt. We're going to do another one coming up about arms and weapons of the 1880s. And tell us about that. How did you and Kurt talk amongst yourselves to say there's an untold story about Frank Stewart. When I retired from the ministry uh, six years ago, I was a little bit at loose ends. And uh, Kurt House, who is one of the renowned weapons collectors, uh, mainly pistols of uh, famous characters in the Wild West, he said, would you do some research for me? He said, I've got a lot of people. I own their guns or I have their holsters or whatever. He said, would you come down and do some research for me? He lives in uh, San Antonio and has a ranch at Three Rivers. So uh, I went down to Three Rivers for three months and did research on character after character, famous and not so famous. Well, here comes a fella and Kurt says, I've got a gun owned by a fellow named Frank Stewart. And I don't know anything about Frank Stewart. Would you find out who this guy is? Well, I begin digging into him and finding out his involvement with Pat Garrett, Billy the Kid, all of those Lincoln County War characters. And I said, Kurt, this isn't something that you just want to report on. This guy is a book. And 424 pages later, uh, it's a book. And uh, he turned out to be uh, one of the fascinating guys of the Billy the Kid era. But folks like Pat Garrett, posse members like Jim East, downplayed Frank Stewart's story in favor of their own involvement in the Lincoln County War and uh, chasing Billy the Kid. And that's not unusual. Uh, in the 1880s, 90s, early 1900s, if you were writing a, your own biography, you're going to feature yourself. You're going to move yourself to the forefront of every story. Well, this is what happened with Pat Garrett and, uh, and others that were involved with Billy the Kid. And Frank Stewart got pushed to the back burner. Mm -hmm. 
But I began digging into newspapers and documents and making on-site visits. Uh, Frank Stewart was right up there with Pat Garrett as the co-leader of the posse that captured Billy the Kid at a stinking spring. And I've documented everything that has been said along with my partner, Kurt House. I don't want to leave Kurt out of this at all. Uh, he started me on the project and we worked hand in hand uh, all the way. Sometimes I use, I did this and I did that, <laughs> kind of like those old time characters did. But um, Frank Stewart is now getting his due and everything is documented to prove it. It's not something we suppose or hope or maybe or probably or possibly. It's documented. And finally, Frank Stewart is getting his due right up there with Pat Garrett in the uh, chase and capture of Billy the Kid. The book itself is gorgeous. Thank you. I, you open the front cover. The very, In fact, you don't even have to turn a page. You open the front cover, and it's a beautiful painting of cowboys and life in a western town, racing through town. And you don't even get past the front page. I, I'm looking at it now. And again... Literally every page is just chock full of photos. One, two, three, four, five photos sometimes. Sometimes the page is, is the whole page is a photo. It's just a fantastic book. Did you, what was the, I'm going to go back. What was the decision to design the book that way? Because this book is unlike anything else that you've read. It's more into the quality of anthology. Like it almost... The two of them are like a companion as far as beautiful books. Like there's books that are made and, it, you know, it's like you open it and you look at it. I got this one and it was like holding a piece of art. Thank you uh, for saying that. Let's start with the artwork that's on the inside of the front cover and inside of the back cover. That's the only place you'll see it colorized. It's an original black and white sketch made in 1901. And it shows Frank Stewart and Pat Garrett transporting Billy the Kid and the others of uh, the group that were captured at Stinking Spring being transported into Las Vegas. And um, we had it colorized, and it turned out beautiful. just so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. We have pictures in there that have never been published before of Charlie Bowdry, of um, Barney Mason, we have documents that have never been published. And I have to give credit to the late Bob McCubbin, who gave Kurt and I unfettered access to his collection of documents, pictures, uh, and at the same time, Bill Koch, William I. Bill Koch, gave us uh, access to uh, photographs that had never been published before. Hmm. So... When you come to this book, you're going to find things that you won't find anywhere else about Billy the Kid and uh, all that that uh, took place uh, in New Mexico in the 1880s. So after doing my podcast with Kurt and 
sitting next to Kurt in the bus or across the aisle from, from Kurt for the entire day that we were in uh, at Roundup through Deadwood. Um, he is one of the best of the best. What was it like to work with Kurt? He is the most genial, kind, generous, funny people that I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And he and I are getting ready to make a 13-day book signing tour through New Mexico. And I just, I can't wait to spend that time and have that much fun. <laughs> um, and if you go to a place like uh, bookfinder.com, type in Kurt House as the author and you'll pull up uh, the books that uh, he has written, uh, a good many of them. But uh, we were born 10 days apart, 1947. We graduated high school the same year. Our mothers were both named Mildred. The house that we grew up in had walls of knotty pine, his and three rivers, mine in Oklahoma City. That may sound like minutia, but there's a dozen or more things that we have in common that here are two guys that didn't even know one another until 2008. And we have become uh, best friends and uh, uh, I cherish my friendship with Kurt House. Well, my grandmother's name is Mildred. Okay. Oh. Mildred. And her, her middle name is Myrtle. Mildred Myrtle. Oh, my. Well, just uh, just those little coincidences. But mm -hmm. the main thing is we think alike. Uh, we have the same sense of humor. We like the same movies. We like the same music. And we certainly love the Wild West. You once told me because I visit Las Vegas, New Mexico more than I should <laughs> because it's a travel stop between Arizona and Colorado where I work a lot. Yes. Why is Las Vegas, New Mexico? This is completely, people are like, no, no, no. I want to talk about the book. Um, why you said once Las Vegas, New Mexico is one of your favorite towns, like the number one town for you to visit. Why is that? And we're going to be there three days for the Billy the Kid Film Festival um, the end of this month and the first couple of days of October. Uh, it's just chock full of history. Um, of course, not only was uh, Billy the Kid there, but Wyatt Earp was there. Doc Holliday was there. Jesse James was there. Dave Rudabaugh was there. Uh, Hoodoo Brown, uh, Josh Webb. You can just go on and on. It was one of the major cities of the West in the late 1870s and 1880s. Um, the plaza is still there, right? <laughs> right in the middle of town, of course, and the park is still there. Um, all of the things that were there in the 1880s <laughs> seem to still be there. Um, it's a fascinating town, antique shops, bookstores, uh, uh, historic hotels, um, if you're wanting to go to Las Vegas, go to Las Vegas, New Mexico. <laughs> there you will have more fun and go home with more money than you ever would in Nevada. <laughs> yeah, the palace is still there, the hotel. Um, 
Are you going to stay at the palace? Yes, we're staying. Uh, well, actually, it's the plaza. I mean, the, pla- the plaza. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, that's quite all right. Those are two similar names. Yes, uh, there's going to be a lot of us in the Billy the Kid uh, field there. Uh, Mark Gardner uh, will be there. Um, on and on, I could uh, list folks in the Billy the Kid field that will uh, be there. Uh, Tim Hagelman, one of the WWHA board members, is uh, one of the co-chairs. It'll be a three-day film festival with book signings, uh, panels about Billy the Kid, presentations on uh, Billy the Kid, but uh, it's really a Billy the Kid film festival. And uh, there's at least two new films that are going to be premiered uh, during these three days and um, then opportunities to look at uh, the older Billy the Kid films. Uh, Anyone that's uh, looking for a place to go September 30th, October 1st and 2nd, head to Las Vegas. I, I had to get up and walk away. I'm back. Okay. Because I wanted to get another book out about Billy the Kid. James B. Mills. Yes. Just came out with a Billy the Kid book. I'm going to, and if James is listening, I told him I'd practice my Spanish and I didn't. Uh, El Bandido Simpatico. Yeah, Simpatico. El Bandido Simpatico. A great right. book. What's that? It's a great book. It's a great uh, book. I know James. He lives in Australia. Yes. Uh, young guy in his 30s. Uh, Fabulous researcher. Pre- presenting Billy the Kid uh, from a Hispano uh, point of view and in a large portion of his book. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, it's just a coincidence that both books came out in the same month this year. But uh, we're not in competition with one another. We think our books complement uh one another, and uh, I urge you to, if you're looking for another Billy the Kid book, get James Mills. Well, the reason I ask that, because now I've got them both side by side, is that why do you think Billy the Kid, like Doc Holliday, like Wyatt Earp, but Billy the Kid, who lived such a short life, he doesn't go away. Like, he just, he's bigger now than he ever was. Why do you think it is that we're still fascinated with Billy the Kid? That's a great question. And I delved into that question a few years ago. I was a high school history teacher for 17 years. Um, I once asked my class of history students, how many of you know who Wyatt Earp was? One hand went up. How many know who John Wesley Harden was? No hands went up. Jesse James, I think three hands went up. Billy the Kid, every hand in the room went up. He's got that name. It's a name that just doesn't go away. His short life, his prominence for that brief period of time in history is just filled with fascinating stories And this is a kid who never grew up. That's the title of one of my chapters. Billy the Kid Who Never Grew Up. Um, He just doesn't go away. And if you go to Australia, if you go to Timbuktu, everybody on the street knows the name Billy the Kid. He's just one of those guys. So I interviewed 
Dr. Gary Roberts recently. Yes. Yes. I hope you listened to it. Oh, absolutely. Because right. if you didn't, I was going to hang up on you. Um, <laughs> no, I interviewed Dr. Gary Roberts, and I asked him this question, that if he could get into a time machine and go back to when Doc was alive, you know, what questions would you ask him? And he gave me a whole bunch of answers. And if you guys want to know, I really urge you to go back in through my uh, my archives and you'll find this this interview with Dr. Gary Roberts, who is, um, he's a wonderful man, and we actually talk several times a month uh, since we've met, and never met personally, but he's he's worth a listen. I'm going to ask you kind of the same question, which is, if you could go back in a time machine and put yourself in a spot, a safe spot, with Billy the Kid, someplace like uh, like my friend... Dave, who owns Shakespeare, New Mexico, the ghost town, because Billy was in Shakespeare for a while. Can you, what would you ask Billy? What would you, where would you actually ask? That's a two-part question. It came to me. Where would you go back to a point in his life? Where would you go back to? And what would you ask him? I'd say, uh, Billy, we know who your mom was. We know about her life. Who was your daddy? Oh. Where were you born? Did you have brothers? Well, we know he had uh, Joe was a brother. Did you have sisters? And I'll just let you in on a little secret. I think we have found two sisters. That'll be another topic for another time. Uh, I'd, I'd want to know more about Billy's background and how he finally got to uh, New Mexico and after his mother died and his stepfather, who was he was not close to, kind of abandoned him to the care of some local people in Silver City. Uh, I want to know more about your youth, your childhood, how you grew up. What made you who you are? And do you think that that would be enough for Roy? Or do you think that that would, in that short amount of time, spur more questions like, oh my gosh, I should have asked this. Why did I focus on that? Absolutely. You know, one question and an answer leads to the next question and the next answer, and it would be never ending. Um, one of the chapters in Chasing the Billy the Kid is nothing but what other people said about Billy. And I think I've got close to 50 different people there who at some time or other were quoted on his characteristics, uh, his likes, his dislikes, his personality. Billy was a likable guy. Man, did he have friends, especially among the Hispanics. Um, people loved Billy. He had a great smile, a great sense of humor. He loved to dance. He could sing. <laughs> oh, that was another fascinating thing, how he led singing at church services in Lincoln, New Mexico. Um, this is a guy that was almost universally liked but yet he got into this situation with Dave Rudabaugh, all these other cowboys, and you know it ultimately led to his untimely death. Um, it would be an unending period of questioning for this this kid who never grew up. Fascinating story. Yes, I'm. I'm currently. 
I've got three books that I'm reading. Um, I'll say this. I never read books. I wasn't a book reader. And now I'm out reading my wife. Um, and Wild West History did that to me and people like yourself um, to where now I, I can't stop. And I, yes. I'm fascinated by the next one. You know, I'll Phyllis, I'll finish James Mills' book, and then I'm going to start yours after I finish King Fisher from Chuck, and then um, Chacon. I'm reading a book uh, by I'm not sure his name, David Grisay, Grisay, um about Chacon and and Solomonville and and Northern Cochise County. Fascinating book, and he's coming up for a podcast too. It just that's the bad. I think that's the bad thing about Wild West history is that it's so connected. And right when you finish one, a story comes out of something else, you know, about like the Linda Womack's doing stuff up in Colorado and Sand Creek yes. Massacre. And, and Gary's yes. got thinking that he's got another book. Hopefully he can do it one day. Um, and you've got more and Kurt's got something coming up and James is writing another book about Billy, his continue, the continuing, it's just like it continues. It just never ends. We have so many more tools now, Mike, than the guys did in previous generations. Uh, there are so many newspaper websites, newspapers.com, genealogybank.com, newspaperarchives.com. And most states, Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, Oklahoma, California, all have websites where you can look at page after page after page of original newspapers. And that's where we're finding a lot of stuff that we never knew before. We have the, we have the tools now that Walter Noble Burns didn't have when he was writing Wyatt Earp's story. Uh, I mean, the, the, the book on Tombstone and Stuart Lake's book on Wyatt Earp. They didn't have the tools that we have. Uh, yesterday, a fella told me, well, I've got a new book on Billy the Kid coming out next year. <laughs> it just never ends. Well, and what you said is true. I, I When I did the podcast in the tribute to about Robert Utley. Yes. The old bison. And um, when I did that interview, it was so great because Robert who I never met, sadly, lived right here in Phoenix, and I didn't know. Um, he immersed himself into history by getting a job at Custer's Battlefield when he was a young man. Like he, That's right. Like he didn't, some of us, not not me, and I don't say us, us meaning as a researcher, but you as a researcher and countless people, John Bosnecker and, and Victoria, or, um, you know, not Victoria, but James and you and, and you know, Garner Polinsky and all these people that are writing fabulous books. There's a difference in writing it today and somebody like Robert Utley who becomes a ranger and wants yes. to stand in the footsteps and live and lay in the grass where the, the soldiers fell. It's it's fan, it's fascinating. Fred Nolan had the same problems, and I'm sure Bob McCubbin had it. And you know, which was you had to do your research by going down to the county records or down to the Huntington Library and just sit for hours and sift through pictures and newspaper clippings. I think it was said that the way books sometimes are written today, 
is easier in a way, but you learned more by sitting in front of like the Huntington Library and laying all the paper out and reading the whole articles, not just the section you were researching. Exactly. Um, and I admire those guys, uh, Bob Butley, uh, Fred Nolan, uh, those guys and countless more uh, started in early life when you went to the place that you wanted to research. You looked at microfilm, you looked at documents, uh, uh, you didn't just look at them on the computer. And uh, I, I started myself in the 60s and 70s and 80s going to hundreds and hundreds of libraries and cemeteries and archives and meeting with people. And most research today is now done over the Internet. Well, if you're wondering who we're talking to, I know who I'm talking to, and that is Roy Young. You can find his books, everything about his books, are all, and he has a lot of them. So I really urge you to, to really get a hold of Roy. Um, you can do so by going to Roy Young, R-O-Y-Y-O-U-N-G, at pldi.net. Of course, we thank our friends over at the Wild West History Association at w or wildwesthistory.org. The WWHA is my go-to for history. Uh, they got a great website. There's so much going on. Make sure you go over to the Saddlebag and make sure you join really, really quick so that you can see this exceedingly handsome man in the interview section of this month's, this, this quarter's uh, journal. Uh, that would be me, of course. I'm talking about me. My <laughs> wife, my wife may say different, but uh, it's all it's all me. It's, um, it's a good interview. Yeah, I'm I'm blessed. Uh, I'm blessed and honored because I don't write books. I'm not a researcher, but I'm a promoter of Western history, and I love meeting people like Roy. And I'm glad now that I can call him a friend. I feel like I'm a better man for it. Well, um, also, you can uh, the tombstone epitaph. Make sure that you get a hold of uh, tombstoneepitaph.com. Get Arizona's longest-running newspaper delivered to your door. Mark and Eric, they just put a phenomenal paper together, and it's shipped out. I think it's monthly, and uh, it gets right to your door. It's about 20-plus pages. And the cool thing is, about, and the reason I promote the epitaph so much is it's actually the paper that, like, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and all the players in Tombstone, like, they read that paper. So when you get it to your door, that's like getting history right to your door that Doc Holliday and Wyatt and the Earps and all these people that are involved in Behan and Curly Bill, like, they read that. And if they couldn't read, they had somebody read it to them. It just, you know, just a phenomenal paper. Also, the social media that's going on with the WWHA, Make sure you head over to Instagram and give them a follow because there's pictures being posted all the time. And, of course, Eddie and Pam are doing phenomenal work along with Kurt on uh, Bugs on the Windshield on the WWHA Wild West History Association uh, YouTube page. They've got some amazing videos and drone videos, and they go, they're go they going to places all over Texas. And uh, really give them a subscription and a follow and hit the button, the notification button, because that helps. Now, if you like what you hear here, 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 I don't know how that worked out, but here, here with this podcast and you're listening, you can find me on iTunes and Spotify and iHeartRadio app and my YouTube channel as well, because I'll put these these audio only. So if you have a, a loved one out there that's maybe can't read as well, maybe the eyesight is not so great, but can hear like a hawk. You know what? Go to that YouTube channel at Cochise County underscore travels 
um, give a follow because I'm putting the podcast all there if you're a YouTuber. So we're bringing history to you between the WWHA and the Epitaph and Roy and the Journal. Like we're gonna we're gonna flood your house with Wild West history, and we're gonna teach it to you and bring it to you in a way like Roy said, without the words possibly or I think or kinda maybe. You know, it'll be deep research, and you're gonna get the truth and then. And in this case, we learned the truth about Morgan Earp being assassinated by Frank Stilwell. Just crazy, amazing, and wonderful to get that history out. And and you can become a steward of history yourself and teach others. Uh, anything that you want to say before we go? Mike, what you're doing with your podcast uh, is the reason we wanted to feature you in our you. most recent journal. Because you're doing a great work. Technology is the word today. Uh, many people don't pick up and read books like we wish, but they're going to your podcast and learning factual Wild West history. Thank now, you. Yeah. Now he's only saying that just so you know, because I gave him a compliment on his legs. If you would have been, <laughs> if you would have been on the in Rapid City at this year's uh, uh, 2022 for the Deadwood tour at Rapid City at the Roundup you would have seen what I'm talking about because uh, there are no chicken legs. Those are some coaches, coaches' legs right there. That's that's a man keeping it together. Now, Yeah, I was a high school <laughs> baseball coach many years. <laughs> now, if you want a chance to see those legs in 2023 like I'm going to, if you join the Wild West History Association, you'll be able to get updates about Roundup 2023 that's down at uh, the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas, which is where we're going to be next year. And so, you know, we're the WWHA is back. COVID is is under control. Folks are doing what they need to do, and they're living their lives. And we're going to be in uh, San Antonio, Texas, for 2023 for Roundup, and we're going to the Alamo. And I don't know what else is going to happen, but all I know is there's going to be a bus that's going to be involved, and I get to see Roy's legs. And we want <laughs> and, <laughs> that's the highlight. Is listen, that's the highlight is Roy's legs. But um, you know, your beautiful wife may say different, but uh, we, those of us that have seen it, we know the truth. Um, of course, I want to thank Roy as always, and Roy will be coming back, and uh, we've got more interviews and podcasts, including the, the Pete Spence podcast that uh, got canceled because of some con conflicts. And honestly, I wanted to talk about the the Newton Jasper Earp. If you again, if you want to get a hold of Roy and get a personal signed copy of all the books that he has, go to Roy Young at pldi.net. As always, I appreciate you guys wherever you follow. Make sure that you hit the notification bell and you give me a follow because that does help with distribution. And just be good humans and, and do some good stuff for people and donate your time somewhere. And if you can't donate your time, drop 20 bucks in a till or send 20 bucks to a food bank or to a, a charity that's doing good work for folks that need some help. As always, safe travels and we'll see you soon.